you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sweet Victory and J-Mac are on tap. Oh, I think I just coined that. Sweet Victory. <laughs> and Tripoli's like, no, you didn't. Um, <laughs> it's a song. Um, anyways, Victory and J-Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show, and we certainly do appreciate them. We're going to get around to some of your phone calls. You can talk to us about today's topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just will tell you, though, I think that today's topic is uh, is is slated to turn into a series of conversations Um, so many of our listeners would be acquainted with the way that we do radio, the way that we host the podcast, if you listen via podcast, which means um, that we, sometimes there are topics that are a little bit more involved and we talk about those topics over a course of like several shows, just sort of like part one to four, whatever it is that it takes to get through it Um, because we're not really interested in just doing like a sensational program and then boom, you're outraged. But there, there are times where I feel like we have to just drill down on that, just kind of keep talking about it, making sure that we all understand uh, what's going on, but then also understanding, you know, how we might respond and what's at stake. And sometimes it's just difficult to do that all in one pop. And so um, to that end, we will often kind of drag out a conversation or a discussion across several several shows and i think that this series is going to be one of those mm. um if you go back and you listen to any of the podcasts you'll see that there are a few of them <clears throat> excuse me that just took took a few days for us to to unpack and um and i think those are good because it gives uh, <clears throat> the listener a chance to really understand uh what's being said you know uh, some of this stuff can be like very involved you know and so i think when we when we have those type of shows where we can uh just go ahead and, and drill down and say but this is what's going on and, and kind of get deep in it. It helps yes. people to understand the issues, you know? Yes. So I think those are good. Good, good. Well, this is this is definitely going to be one of those. Um, so the topic today is a sneaky social emotional learning, mm. sneaky social emotional learning. And what we're going to do on today's program is we're going to do sort of like a history of social emotional learning um, describing what it is and how it made its way into our public education system yeah. and how now, OK, today we're going to kind of do like a history here. OK, um, in future programs. So make sure you listen and probably try to, you know, listen to all of these together if you can. Um, we're going to look at the way social emotional learning has shifted and why parents need to be concerned Um Often what we do is we are trying to fend off um, the big predators, excuse me, that are coming for our kids. Right. And that can be very difficult to do in and of itself. Um, But I would strongly suggest that there are these little predators (laughs) that are coming. The small foxes (laughs) that are sneaking in while we're patching the big opening in the fence or trying to put up new wood. Mm. You know, you've got these little holes that these things that can contort their bodies, mice and and slip (laughs) into. 
Yuck. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me. They are still coming for our kids. And so right. so we want to say that social emotional learning is sort of like would, would fall into that category. It's been around for a while, but I think many parents would be unfamiliar with it because it is more often something that is just done rather than something that is publicized and then you're ask permission can it be done right mm-hmm. like it's it's more often something that our kids are participating in because their parents have not opted them out of right rather than it is something that you are asked to opt your kid because in. because a lot of times the parents don't even know you know I can, exactly i can hear exactly and that's it, by design right and i can hear like yeah. social what what do what exactly you know exactly <laughs> and 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 i think that's the intent i think yeah, the intent definitely. is if you can keep parents out of the loop yeah. and if you can do as much as you want without alerting these parents that often get in the way of Mm -hmm. our goals and objectives, Mm -hmm. right? Then do those things. Do, do as much as you can until they start to, you know, the parents, the the ones who intrude on, (laughs) on the goals and objectives of the common culture. All right. Um, Do as much as you can without alerting the parents. uh, And then when, when they are alerted, then shift your narrative. Mm. So when they start to be concerned, just tell them that it's not the droids that they're <laughs> that they're looking for. Just tell them that it's not happening. And then also connect mm. them to crazies mm-hmm. so that if they start to speak out against this, they will be like the crazies. Or change, okay? change the terms, change the names. Exactly so, right. You know, get them off the, the trail, you know, change yes. it to something else where, oh, that sounds right. That sounds good. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Yes. But 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 nonetheless. It isn't right? Right, right. So, so that's what we want to spend um, several programs uh, discussing: social emotional learning. It is happening in schools all across this country. It's not something new. It has gone through a lot of transformation. In fact, in a future program, if not today, we may touch on it. We're going to talk about how in 2020, social emotional learning um, sort of went through its like 2.0. So it's kind of like a rebirth where it's now transformative social emotional learning. So name just change. a couple name change. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so just a couple of years ago, um, social emotional learning went through a shift, but it's been going through shifts, if you will, uh, for a number of years. So let's do this. Let's just jump right in. And the reason why are we why are we having this discussion? Let's let's talk about that, too. Um, it's important. I think it is so important for parents to recognize the expectation, and I think expectation sounds like too light a word when we talk about what God has required of parents. It almost sounds like a, well, you know, it would be nice if you did this, parent, you know. But really, we have something that is more akin to a mandate. We have something that is more more akin to a command from the Lord and that we are supposed to be stewarding our children, that we are supposed to be training them. We're supposed to be raising them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Um, this is a task that is expressly given to parents. You do not see this being milled out. Yes, your kid can have other instructors. Yes, your kid can have other teachers. But the Bible also cautions us in that, that a, a student, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Mm. So then it matters who the teacher is. That's right. It matters who is instructing. So That's it's not right. to say that you cannot have someone else teaching your kid. For example, I mean, look, we educate our kids at home. But we've got kids who um, two of them are learning uh, beginning physics. I can't even say it. They're learning beginning physics. Um, I can't teach them that. But I can entrust that education via video um, to Christian teachers who can teach physics. Now you say, well, do you need a Christian to teach physics? 
maybe you don't, but for the Addisons, we do. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. They're just, we don't want just anybody having access to our kids. Yeah. We want them to be in an environment where we know what's going on and we want to know the people who are teaching them because your worldview affects the way you teach. That's right. It affects what you say about how things occur, how That's things right. happen. Like, are you giving glory to God for the things that you are as man discovering and able to teach? Or are you in this humanist hubris, um, you know, taking all the glory for yourself? I think that that matters. And so that's just in, in short to say. So the question is, do parents have the responsibility to shape the worldview of their children? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. I hate to just jump to the yes. end of it and, and give it away. And so then the follow up question is, does social emotional learning interfere with that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. And people are like, well, that's it. Let's all go home. Yeah, it does. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of unpack the ways in which social emotional learning interferes with our mandate to instruct and to train our children. I think it's important for parents and grandparents to lean in. If you've got kids who are being educated in a public education system and even in some private education systems, um, you would have this uh, social emotional learning aspect that has infiltrated even there. And so it would be important for us to understand what's going on. And, and what I'm ultimately going to get to is a beautiful set of questions that was, let's see, where do I have it, was put together by um, a parent's council, which I thought was really great, questions to ask your school about social emotional learning. Too often we don't know what's going on and we feel intimidated. We feel because we don't know, then we can't ask questions. So we want to close in that gap on um, all of these programs and, and hopefully you'll listen um, daily as we cover this particular topic in this particular series and you'll get some of those um, those tools that you'll need. All right, so having said all of that, Let's take a jog down memory lane. And it's amazing that when you start to research these things, um, you have to go back several years. And when I say go back several years, you have to go back several years to read the information that goes back several years. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. people writing about the development of social emotional learning, you don't want to read a lot of the modern sources because they have learned how to craft a presentation that throws you off the scent. Mm-hmm. So you've got to go back several years to read the information about several years prior to that. If that makes sense, I'm not yeah. trying to be confusing. What I'm saying is uh, in short, can't trust the internet. So you have to kind of keep <laughs> digging until right. you go back to even it. And it doesn't have to be like a Christian source. You're just mm. looking for a source that will give you the facts. You can discern the facts. You can read through that yourself, but just give me the facts without, you know, flowering it up to suit your own needs. So I found this article um, on social emotional learning, and it was a short history, and it was written in 2011. And one of the things I thought was interesting, and so I I pulled from this article and then I pulled from a modern definition of what um, social emotional learning is. And so this article back in 2011 was looking at the history of social emotional learning, obviously up to that point. And I thought, you know, in 2021, 2022, how is social emotional learning being defined in schools um, and how is it being um, pushed Sorry, pushed on children. Right. So back in 2011, there was a psychology professor at Rutgers University, a man by the name of Maurice Elias, who defined social emotional learning. 
And this is how he describes social emotional learning as the process through which we learn to recognize and manage emotions, care about others, make good decisions, behave ethically and responsibly and develop positive relationships and avoid negative behaviors. That seems mm-hmm. really simple. Like, mm-hmm. you know, now again, as a parent, okay, as a parent, I would want to define what are good decisions for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I would want to. So there, there are some things, even in this, and I, because I want to be fair. I don't want to be like, oh, look, just a few years ago, I would have been gung ho. No, I don't. Don't touch my children. Because <laughs> even a few years ago, I would have been of the mindset, I do not want you um, uh, infusing your worldview into you know what you are supposed to be to, if two plus two is four then i don't want you to give any emotional value to that fact right it is okay it i is. just want two plus two to be four <laughs> and i want you to cover that and move on and if if my kid is having a hard time with two plus two being four i don't want you to allow that two plus two might be five for my kid mm-hmm. do you understand because mm-hmm. my kid is having an emotional problem with the fact that he or she can't remember two plus two. That's a side note, but that's the kind of stuff that we're doing today in mathematics is very troubling. So even just a few years ago, you have the simplicity of social emotional learning being defined as something I think that most people would agree with. Mm -hmm. Like most people would think, yes, we want kids to make good decisions. And so let me give you an example of this. And this will be some of the things that, which by the way, you saw the, the modern rise of social emotional learning, Um, take off in the 90s, right? So for many of us, our elementary school years, we would not have had or been subjected to a curriculum that focused on social emotional learning. It would have been, and and listen, guys, just facts. It would have been good teachers who have moral conviction helping kids with their social and emotional development, and they wouldn't have even called it that. Let me give you an example. Um, so I'm just going to use random names here. Uh, so Will hits a kid (laughs) in class. Okay. Uh Will hits Brandon. All right. (laughs) And so social emotional learning, the teacher would go over to Will and say, you do not hit Brandon. And Will would go into explaining why he did it. And Brandon's crying over here. And the teacher would say, listen, I want to know what is going on here. But bottom line, we are not putting our hands on one another as a display of aggression. Okay, we're, this, this is unacceptable. That is social emotional learning. Do you understand? I think most parents would be okay with that correction. They'd be okay with the teacher inserting himself or herself into that altercation and, and trying to bring good mm-hmm. decisions out of that. But that is not what we're dealing with today. Mm. When we get back on the other side of the break, we're going to look at how social emotional learning is redefined and is more intrusive than you might imagine. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Stay right there. Our Father, which art in heaven, yeah, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be Castle was formed in order to help educators, scholars, and policymakers work together to build a whole new vision for education. 
We exist for one real reason, and that is to help make social and emotional learning an integral part of American education, grades pre-K through 12. We work in research, we work in school districts in practice, and we work on the policy side. And the trifecta of those three areas are really important. We wanted to build the field collaboratively. And that's important, our name, Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning. The C and the L, the collaboration and the openness to learning, the knowledge that there are other people out there doing good work and we want to capitalize and develop that work as well as our work and think about ways things fit together. Social and emotional learning changes the environment and the culture and the climate of schools in a way that makes kids feel more safe, more willing to take risks, more willing to form meaningful relationships. Learning itself is a relational process, and so the more we can do to facilitate the co-learners in this case, the adults and the students, learning about themselves and learning about one another and learning about the world around them, I think we're better served, we're more comprehensive, we're more integrative, and subsequently we would expect better outcomes for adults and students. We are working to fundamentally change what it means to be educated in this country. And Castle is going to be a huge part of our success in the coming years. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. It's amazing, man. Some of these words, you know, more comprehensive, more integrative. Like, I mean, it's just it's mm. just more intrusive, yeah. really, is what, what I wish they would include that in the video. But, of course, that's <laughs> a little bit jolting, right. um, which is why they didn't ask me to help with the post-production. Because um, I'm like, there's there, there are certain words that are missing, and those words are missing on purpose. Yes. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that was the prayer. We are talking about sneaky social emotional learning. And one of the things I really want to observe publicly here or just observe out loud <laughs> mm -hmm. is the way that social emotional learning is usurping the authority of the parents. And it is actually inculcating a different worldview mm -hmm. um, into mm -hmm. our kids. And I think that this has been happening for a number of years now, of course, you know, when a person is telling your kid something that is good, that we all collectively agree is good and it is based on objective truth, I think we don't have a problem with that so much, mm -hmm. right? But it's when good goes through several cycles of redefinition, right? right? Like when, when good is not based on what is objectively good, right? When good is now based on what is socially or culturally acceptable, then we as parents have a problem with that and increasingly so. And I think social emotional learning we will discover has been sort of like a, as it's been described, this is not my way of describing it. I've just read articles that have described this way and I agree um, that social emotional learning has become a Trojan horse of sorts. Now the mm. articles that I read regarding this said that social emotional learning is a Trojan horse for critical race theory. We're going to do some future programs on that. May touch on it a little bit today. Of course, you know, that's kind of where I dwell over there and talking about the dangers <laughs> of, of critical race theory. Um, of course, I want to point that out in um, social emotional learning. But I think when you talk about social emotional learning as a Trojan horse, it goes beyond um, housing critical race theory. I think it also houses um, a, a usurpation of parental authority. I think it, it is a Trojan horse for a different worldview, a competing worldview. If you are a Bible-believing Christian and you've got your kids in a public education um, setting, then I think that what you can see is that um, this Trojan horse is not just um, beware critical race theory hiding, you know, in, in, in the horse, 
<laughs> beware of everything else that <laughs> yeah. comes along with yeah. that as well. So getting back to the point that I began to make um, in the first segment, looking at the way social emotional learning was defined um, several years ago, maybe a decade and a half ago, looking at the way social emotional learning was defined, it seemed less intrusive. Um, but today, as you heard in the clip, it has expanded mm -hmm. and it has gone far beyond what we would consider, you know, eight to three fifteen. OK, <laughs> so now what is happening is that you've got an entire cultural shift that has found its way in the curricula for social emotional learning that is being pumped out in schools all across this country. And it's gotten a recent boost because you've got all of these covid dollars mm -hmm. that are connected to rebuilding schools. And one of the ways that um, that the funds are being used to rebuild our schools, um, in addition to the structural changes that are being made to schools to, quote unquote, make them safer post pandemic um, sarcasm. Right. Hi. OK. Um, <laughs> one of the ways that they're using these dollars is also in the area of uh, emotional well-being of kids. And so the social emotional uh, learning proponents are lining up for these dollars mm -hmm. and saying we have an incredible use for this money <laughs> right. and which means whenever you have more money so guys we understand the way that our government works and we understand the way entities work that receive money from our government so let's just be real about it whenever you have more money that's allocated for a specific um outcome then you almost automatically have more need for mm -hmm. that money. Yeah, creative. Okay. Need. So you were getting by just fine, <laughs> right? But all of a sudden you've got post pandemic dollars that mm. are allocated for the rebuilding of schools. So it's like every hand goes up. Yeah. Who needs more money to this end? Well, we do. Okay. How are you going to use it? Well, give us a second. We'll get back to you. But we will use it and we do need it. Mm. So the definition today, you're looking at um, Castle's website, the Collaborative for Academic, Social and Emotional Learning, which is probably the nation's go to authority. You may have some smaller organizations that are kind of delving into social emotional learning. But going back to the mid to late 90s, uh, Castle, which did change its name, um, Castle would be sort of like the big fish. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the big one. And this is how castle describes or defines social emotional learning. They say that it is about mastering quote knowledge, the knowledge skills and attitudes to develop healthy identities, manage emotions and achieve personal and collective goals, feel mm -hmm. and show empathy for others establish and maintain supportive relationships and make responsible and caring decisions. Mm -hmm. Back then, social emotional learning educators and researchers believed that they could sort of run into a kid's needs and respond to those needs kind of in the moment. Okay. If this kid is withdrawn, this kid is acting out, you know, the teacher's intuition might kick in and say, hey, maybe we need to call for a meeting with the parents. Yeah. Maybe there's something happening at home that we need hmm. to deal with. Today, social emotional learning has expanded that the assumption is that the school is the ground for all of the emotions to be developed. Mm. The school is the place. So there's no like, let's meet with the parent. No, the school becomes the parent. 
Mm. In fact, and, and this is one of the things that I wanted to point out that I think is really um, problematic. And this is not to take away. Please understand what I'm saying here. This is not to take away from the incredible or incredibly capable teachers who fear God. Okay. Who might be in some ways equipped to deal with the social emotional issues that children bring to school. I am not trying to downplay that. I'm not trying to take away from that. And and even as I was thinking about this and just kind of, you know, reflecting on my K-12 years. Okay. You had some incredibly um, discerning teachers. Yeah. Right. Who were able to teach you those basic things that you were there for. Okay. They, they knew how to um, flourish in the subjects that they were tasked with teaching, but they also were observant of students. They mm-hmm. also recognized when there were things going on and they didn't need to have a specific checklist where now they were going to store all of the information. That's another problem with social emotional learning. All of the information is being harvested. All of the information is being stored It may or may not go on kids' permanent records. We already know from earlier this year um, that the education department was kind of like keeping secret from parents that there was a breach in the information, even in the New York school district, Mm -hmm. where you had some people grab all the information that was stored via or under the guise of social emotional learning. So we've gone from teachers just kind of doing what is natural to them. Like, I mean, just kind of common Humanity, right? right? I don't know if right. that's how you would describe that, but just to now creating a system where you intrude in the lives of children, where you collect information on those children, and where you make value judgments about their parents based on the information that you are collecting. Mm. Now wow. come and go with wow. me for right. I just 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 think about this, okay? And yeah. and guys, I understand I often get there first and and stand alone with people going, that's too far. Okay, but <laughs> But as with critical race theory and its infiltration of the church, uh, welcome. Okay, because because just all you have to do is just kind of look at how these things progress, how they how they spread out over the years, right? Like you are, go ahead, Will the Great. You're going to say something. No, I'm just thinking about what you're saying, and you you made the example of when you were growing up in the teachers, how they were in tuned, and some were some were really discerning, and they you know they did beyond just teach, um, and so but they knew how to do it. But sometimes I, I I think we don't take into account that the culture uh, has degraded. And mm-hmm. so even the teachers, even they may have good intentions, but they are part have been touched by this culture, too. Bullseye. And so if they are becoming the, the counselors now, it's not going to be the same as when you were, you know, in school. Like There's going to yes. be some differences because that is a different world. That we're living in, even from the, those a few years, you know. Yes. So, yes. I, man, it, there's a lot in this. That's troubling. That's yeah. incredibly troubling, and and that is precisely one of the points that I endeavor to make as we look at this. When when you have a change in the way people process what is good and what is evil, and when your culture collectively goes through a redefinition or a redefining of what is healthy. Mm-hmm. So there are some words, and again, I think this is where um, Christian parents are often sort of, you know, we we are after the ball or we are behind the ball, or however you describe it, we because we don't understand that these terms have gone through several redefinitions, right? right? Like we don't right. understand right. that if we say we want healthy outcomes, that the definition of healthy 
has changed. And mm-hmm. it's not the definition that we were dropped off to school with. Right. All right. Like we, you know, to, to say that you want a kid to behave um, with compassion mm-hmm. and with empathy, um, you know, those words undergoing cultural redefinition now take on a different practice. Like, so, so how are those words defined in practice? So, right. and, and guys, let's just jump to the obvious things here. Mm-hmm. When we talk about human sexuality and sexual identity. So if you've got a kid in school who goes to school with a biblical worldview. And, and and so perk up parents, because so often what we hear coming from Christian parents is I am raising my kid to be able to be salt and light. My kid will go into the school and take it for Jesus. Okay. So you've got a kid who goes into the school bent on taking it for Jesus and goes into the school with a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. And the teacher is now going to have story time where the two, the, the character has parents of the same gender so you got the kid who in the middle of that story time says um i'm sorry but there's only a mom and a dad in a family i there's i have a problem with this book so but because cultural norms unfortunately in america have shifted what then is the result of that so social emotional learning parameters kick in (laughs) we have an inclusive environment We have an environment that seeks um, to not alienate or discriminate Um, diversity, equity, Mm -hmm. inclusion. Mm -hmm. And so when your kid stands up in his or her role at seven, eight or nine (laughs) and is endeavoring to take it for Jesus. okay. so what happens is now your kid is a problem and your kid has got to be, quote unquote, counseled. Not only that, not only that, but the nature of that counseling the duration of that counseling, the outcome of that counseling, the result, if you will, all of that gets stored and that becomes a part mm. of your kid's record. Mm. So so if yeah. the person who is counseling now perceives your kid to be a hateful little bigot. <laughs> that goes on your kid's record that follows your kid, that the kid has some problematic views on human sexuality. But wait, there's more <laughs> because then the question expands to. From whence derive? Right. Where did it come from? The where kids. did those views come from? Hmm. Wow. And so yeah. then, so 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 think about it though. Mm-hmm. And I want to go back because they're looking at the modern origins, and and I thought this was so interesting to look at the rise of social emotional learning and the original parameters of social emotional learning and how we've moved so far beyond that. Um, and and there are certain factors that were involved in that. But let me just say this before we turn to that. Um, think about if your kid having an alternative view, quote unquote, and an alternative view mm-hmm. of human sexuality. Think about if that presents to the teacher or the administration that your kid is somehow undergoing a psychological trauma at home, mm, yeah. that your kid is bringing to school these sorts of hateful, bigoted outbursts that then, you know, there may be a type of abuse that the kid is suffering at home. But this is the danger of allowing people to counsel and to shape worldview in a capacity that it was never intended that they should shape. They should never, they should never be tasked with this type of counseling. Now on the other side of the break, and of course we're going to open the phone line. So that's why over several shows, we're going to spread out this discussion 
want to look at the modern origins of social emotional learning. How did this become a thing? What kind of people were involved in the development of this? And are those people still involved? Or are we entrusting teachers who are having a hard time grading all of the papers they have every week with a task that they are not suited for? They're not equipped for. We'll take the break. We'll be right back. Should be floored by Luke 24 After being resurrected from the tomb to restore Everyone Jesus was crucified for As he speaks to his disciples Hear rebukes from our Lord He reproved them with four For not believing that the Old Testament Had this very truth at its core The only proof that is sure The OT's about his death and resurrection So you can't ignore Hear the son of Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's On American Family Radio I'm Miki And I'm Will And that's Timothy Brenda With death and resurrection I want, I want to get into a little bit of information and and then I want to open the phone lines um but let me give the number now so that um so sweet victory can start to get some of the calls queued up uh I will say that if the Lord wills tomorrow mm-hmm. we want to look at the dollars the amount of money that is being spent on social emotional learning mm-hmm. and um then maybe after that we'll look at the shift that it underwent in 2020 that may be a Monday program so just just hang with us here because one of the things that I think is so important is for us to have a clear understanding to kind of walk our way through what the dangers are, what is being presented under what guise, so that we can make the best possible decisions um, in parenting our children for the glory of God. Having said that, let me give the number, uh, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Today we are talking about sneaky social-emotional learning, sneaky social-emotional learning. I found this interesting in looking into this topic. Um, the modern origin sounds like a oxymoron, modern origin, but the, the modern origin um, that happened in New Haven, Connecticut, uh, happened in the late 1960s. And you're talking about social emotional learning. It's very interesting. So listen to this very carefully here. During his early days at Yale School of Medicine's Child Study Center, James Cormer began piloting a program called the Cormer School Development Program. It was, as he wrote later in a 1988 Scientific American article, centered on his speculation that, quote, the contrast between a child's experience at home and those in school deeply affects the child's psychosocial development Mm. and that this in turn shapes academic achievement, end quote. Let me read that. The contrast between a child's experiences at home And those in school deeply affects the child's psychosocial development and that this in turn shapes academic achievement. In other words, this man, James Cormer, decided we we need to care about what's happening at kids' houses and we need to care about how that is reflected in school because, and then here is why it's our business, it affects academics. (laughs) Now listen, I want to make very clear, I don't disagree that our emotional state of mind, mm-hmm. okay, or whatever, however you define that, that it affects the way we learn, mm-hmm. the extent to which we are able to learn. I do not dismiss that at all. But as I often tell you, I don't trust these people to psychoanalyze my kids. Right. I, I right. don't trust these people to define what is emotionally healthy and what isn't because they, are, they have a genesis that is not mine. 
They have a starting point that is not mine. Right. My worldview is derived and shaped by the word of God. And these people can only hope to understand that. Or maybe, to be more accurate, they don't hope to understand that. <laughs> In fact, they want to eradicate that they from the public it. sphere. They don't want that. Yeah. So I am not going to entrust the social management of my children to these people who have no space for the biblical authority that I am being shaped by. So back to the, the modern origins in New Haven. All right. So the school development program focused on two poor, low achieving, predominantly African-American elementary schools in New Haven, Connecticut, that had the worst attendance and the lowest academic achievement in the city. With help from the program, the schools established a collaborative management team composed. Now, listen to the composition of this team. It was composed of teachers, parents, the principal, and a mental health worker. The team made decisions on issues ranging from the school's academic and social programs to how to change school procedures that seemed to be engendering behavior problems. By the early 1980s, academic performance at the two schools exceeded the national average and truancy and behavior problems had declined, which added momentum to the SEL movement. Now, almost immediately, you can kind of start to hear where some of the problems are for modern social emotional learning initiatives. So if you've got a social emotional learning initiative that kicks off at these two schools and it includes a mental health worker, but then the program grows and the program expands and all of a sudden the teachers now can do that part. Wow. So now you're, you're pulling out an important component, yeah. right? And, and namely, the important component, that you have someone who is trained to understand mm-hmm. mental health issues. Mm-hmm. You have someone who is trained to understand how to deal with and interact with someone who is presenting a mental health concern. But there is a greater concern here, and we'll go to the phone lines in just a second. There is a greater concern that I think Christians cannot dismiss. If I have a problem with my child... If my child is showing some mental issues or some emotional issues that as a parent, I myself find overwhelming. I don't know how to deal with this. I have I've come to the end. I've searched the scriptures. I'm I am praying for my kid. I am trying to walk through this with my kid and I have come to the end of it. I need someone else to help as a Christian. I am not going to take my kid down to the local counselor who has the best rates. I am not going to take my kid down to the local psychologist who, you know, can get me in this week. As a Christian, I am looking for a Christian counselor to biblically counsel my kid. I am looking for the Christian counselor who understands that his or her role is subordinated to my role and is not going to come into a room believing that now you have replaced me as the parent. Right, right. These are the things that we give up when we don't have to opt our kid into social emotional learning at school when it's automatic. Now you have no control over who is shaping worldview. You have no control over how they're counseling your kids. You have no control over how they make sure to state that their role is subordinated to yours because indeed they don't want it to be. Right. They don't want their role to be subordinated to yours as the parent. You're in the way. 
So social emotional learning for many, many reasons is problematic in American schools, but it is increasing. Its reach is extending. Its influence is growing and probably more troubling is as of 2020, the infiltration of critical race theory. Now called transformative social emotional learning. With that, let's go to the phone lines, 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go? All right, let's go to Lori in Oklahoma. Hi, Lori. Hey, well, first of all, let me admit that I'm no spring chicken. (laughs) My feathers are a little gray, and some of them might be a tad loose. But I've got some knowledge and learning and observation under my belt for many years. So when I went to school, uh, elementary school back in the 60s, so I was telling you a little something right there, I remember that the teachers had a moral compass. It was no light thing that my teachers would open up and read a Bible story, and we would pledge allegiance, and we would also um, say a prayer now and then. And they would let people come in school and give us Bibles. And so my teachers had a moral compass. And if the teacher was part of the family, the teacher had no, none whatsoever of thinking that they knew better than the parents. Were there kids in the school that came from troubled homes? Absolutely. But I will tell you, they weren't caved to um, and and made to think that, well, let's set the bar lower for you because you're having some trouble at home. That's not what happened. But I will tell you, fast forward, when I became a parent, um, I had a child who had some learning disabilities. That's what they called them. And they Mm -hmm. had this big old team called your IEP team. And um, I had most of my kids in Christian school, but because the Christian school was very demanding, very heavy workload, very traditional education, the homework, the whole nine yards, Hmm. he just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. But when I transitioned and I had to, to the public school system, what they wanted to do there was excuse him and give him a reason not to do it. And basically Mm -hmm. they would just keep passing him just Mm -hmm. to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. And they were they weren't concerned with whether or not he overcame the uh, problem. That was not the goal. And so I watched them go from uh, real education. Like they don't even teach kids to write and hold a pen properly. Mm-hmm. They don't even care if they spell well because they got spell check on computers. So mm-hmm. what what we're not wrapping our head around is that they dummy down the population. And everybody's living off their emotions. Mm-hmm. No wonder we have utter chaos. Because Come here's on. the deal. They'd rather worry about how they feel that day if they feel like a boy or a girl, whether or not they can pick up a book and read or Come pay your bills on. or get Listen. a job or get training. Yeah. And so we have, as Christians, we have opened the door for this. How many of the Christians in these churches all over my town and any state that I've lived in as a military wife have put their kids in school and let them be spoon-fed poison and never once push back because Lori. they're afraid to make trouble or no i'm i'm sorry i'm just i'm a loud listener look i'm just i'm i'm saying i am saying that you're hitting on all cylinders here and and the points that you are making are very well made and mm-hmm. i think there would be so many parents who would looking back on the intrusion that they suffered are looking back on even the lower expectations, right? Like these, just to say, well, and, and, and by the way, the lowered expectations are increasing, but can I say this? And I'll go back to the phone lines here. The lowered expectations are not limited to academic performance. Mm. The lowered expectations also pertain to 
emotions and how kids are expected to interact with each other. The lowered expectations also pertain to how you discipline kids, which is why you don't expel kids anymore, (laughs) which is why you have kids who just get shifted around to other schools or maybe they get in school expulsion. Why? Because now we've got these lowered expectations of a kid's ability to engage. So we say, you know, that's we just can't expect anymore. So we can't discipline to that end. We can't discipline according to that antiquated expectation. This is why you have. Well, and and I I don't want to go extreme. Look, we don't need to sensationalize any more than the reality of the facts are. But when you've got um, a troubled young man who is allowed to dress up in a skirt, assault people and then just be shifted around to a different, a different school, school and then yeah. assault people again. Right. But this is this is all under the guise of diversity, equity and inclusion. Right. Because he's troubled. OK. Not in the ways that we would define troubled. All right. But in the ways that our modern construct defines it, meaning that he needs to be coddled in his confusion. <laughs> it's a problem. All right. Well, the great. Where do we go next? All right. Let's go to Iris in Dallas. Hi, Iris. Hi, I'll try to Dallas, but that's okay. Um, uh, my uh, daughter and my granddaughter are both educators. My daughter is a dyslexia therapist in a small community in the uh, surrounding area, and my granddaughter is a um, kindergarten teacher, both in public schools. But my question is, is I know about the, uh, um, the diversity thing and that, but um, I wondered about the emotional, social um uh, training that you're uh, talking about today, how widespread is that? And is that basically by district, that's what I'm hearing, or by statewide? Um, there's so many different terms, and just because I still have two 14-year-olds in the in the public school system and other great-grandchildren in other states, um, I'm just concerned and I want to know how to pray and how the Lord will lead me to inform my um, uh, family. Yeah, yeah. Man, that that is a great question. question. So let me speak in terms of dollars. And by the way, social emotional learning is something that has to be voted on and agreed upon by the school district. So it is not something that could just infiltrate your your kid's school without you knowing and being aware that it is that this is in your kid's school. But here's something that I think is so important for us to recognize that from November 2019 to April 2021, Social emotional learning spending grew by 45%. And here, let me, let me give you the dollar amount. $765 million is now spent across this country on social emotional learning. Now, listen, if the question is, is this in my kid's school? You are going to have to find that out. You are going to have to go down to your school. And which, by the way, which is why I pulled some questions, because I anticipated this being one of those questions. How do I know what is in my kid's school? How do I begin to find this out? So what we're going to do, I'll put a link in the show notes. If you listen via podcast, you'll find a link in the podcast. Um, and But I'll just, in, for the sake of those who are driving and listening, just to kind of give you an idea. What is social emotional learning? So these are the questions that you would ask of the administrators of your kid's school. Maybe the principal, maybe the teacher. How do you define social emotional learning? What's the purpose of social emotional learning at this school? What evidence is there that social emotional learning is necessary? Now, here's the thing. This is going to require time on the part of the parents and the grandparents. 
So you've got to go down to your kid's school. You've got to request a meeting. You've got to sit in that meeting. You've got to be empowered with the tools of one, your conviction. And number two, the evidence that social emotional learning is pervasive in this country. I'd be surprised at the public schools that are not implementing implementing it or using it as a tool for education. I, mm. I would be surprised that in a public system that it's not present in a school that you would go down to. Because the reality is if you've got $760 million, $765 million of social emotional learning money mm-hmm. that's floating around this country, many, many schools than we might imagine are being touched by it. We're out of time, but we're not done with this topic. So stay close until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.